Hello and welcome to episode 86 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. I'm Anthony Malakian, U.S. Editor of Waters, and as always, I'm joined by James Rundle, News Editor of Waters. Hey, everyone. So today, uh, you know, September after Labor Day, you know, during August, you know, tough to get people on the phone, stuff like that. Now we're going to try and bring you some guests. Um, so, Jim, uh, you actually spoke, uh, who was it with today? It was with uh, Joachim Strid, who is the head of market surveillance in Europe for NASDAQ. Okay, and you guys are going to, what, what's it going to be on? Well, we're going to talk about machine learning. Um, it's quite interesting about how NASDAQ has actually incorporated uh, machine learning into its surveillance program uh, on its Nordic markets, uh, but is eventually rolling this out across the globe. Uh, so it's interesting kind of use case of how it's actually being used now in the markets as well. Actually, I mean, I, I think that there was actually a reporter for Waters that wrote a very good feature on actual use case of machine learning. Uh, I heard that guy's one. a hack. I didn't read it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's probably worth mentioning as well. Unfortunately, um, Joachim uh, was in Chicago this week, so we couldn't get him in the actual studio to use our lovely new equipment. Um, so you might find the audio quality is a little bit jarring with this microphone. Um, you do so get used to it. Trust do, me, yeah. you get used to it. it the, you can hear and everything like that, but not uh, not not perfect, but um, hopefully good enough that you get the information that you need. And then after the interview with Joachim, um, James and I will be joined uh, here in the studio uh, with our uh, U.S. reporter, Amelia David. Uh, Amelia has been covering T plus two for us uh, extensively, wrote an excellent feature as to the buildup of T plus two, and wrote something about blockchain and T plus two. She did, the magic, the magic combination. (laughs) And uh, just an article that went live when T plus two actually went live. So we'll hit on some of the big issues um, from that kind of major event that happened here in uh, North America um, on Tuesday. Uh, so again, quality will be just a little bit fuzzier uh, with Joachim, but the information in there is good. So we ask that you just uh, you, you get you get used to Keep it. Keep with it, you get used to it. Yeah. And then uh, we'll be back with uh, Mia at the end of that. Okay, thank you for uh, for listening, guys. Uh, I have a very special guest today. I'm joined by Joachim Strid. He's the head of European Surveillance and Nasdaq. Yeah, Joachim, thank you for being here with us. Thanks for having me. Um, um, it's my pleasure. Excellent. So it's been a pretty exciting week uh, for you guys. Uh, we were just saying uh, before this call that you're in Boston right now for the Smarts Conference. A lot of news coming out of NASDAQ. But um, a particularly exciting initiative this week uh, where you're really kind of putting machine learning into practice on your Nordic markets. Um, so why don't we start by hearing a little bit about that. Can you sort of walk us through what, what you guys have done? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a really interesting initiative, and we're looking forward to what we can leverage upon going forward with this initiative. First of all, I mean, I'm representing Smart, Smart, or, or NASDAQ, not Markets in the Nordics. I'm head of surveillance for the markets that we operate in the Nordics. And we are users of the Smarts product. So we're sort of a NASDAQ internal customer and user of Smarts. And what we've done in this project is really uh, combine the fact that we are a market operator, that we perform surveillance work markets with the development capabilities that we have and sort of trying to both increase the capabilities that the smart product will offer to all customers while also making our own surveillance program more efficient. Mm. So 
a surveillance program or a trade surveillance program is is typically built around some sort of alert engine that will generate alerts based upon what has been defined as anomalies or, or uh, interesting events that could take place in the marketplace. And then when those uh, events occur that will match whatever pattern you created, alerts will be, will be sort of uh, sent on screens to analysts. Analysts will pick up on them and make a, an assessment and they will take a decision, and such decision will also be recorded and documented within the, uh, the surveillance system. So what we've done now is created a set of algorithms that have, uh, have reviewed historical alerts for a fairly long period of time, and that have come up with a number of factors that have been predominant when analysts have taken a decision to either take an action based upon an alert or not to take an action based upon an alert. Okay. And with that historical knowledge, with the, the factors that were sort of characteristic to the event of the, the alert, and with the decisions taken by the analysts, the algorithm has come up with a predictive model to when a new alert is, is being uh, sort of uh, submitted, to submit also a scoring where the algorithm will predict the likelihood that such alert will lead to a certain action taken by the analyst. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the ultimate aim is that you can determine whether, based on this prediction, it's sort of legitimate market activity or, or whether it's potentially something you need to investigate further. Exactly. And initially, we will continue working through uh, all of the alerts that are being populated. But in, in turbulent or hectic market conditions, the analysts will have the possibility to make decisions on priorities based upon these scorings. As anyone who's worked uh, real-time surveillance will probably testify, uh, alerts or, or trading events or trading uh, activity is not evenly spread across time. Oh. At opening of the market, there will be a burst of activity and thereby a burst of, of uh, alerts. There will be certain times during the day when there are important announcements or other events that will lead to increases in, in volatility, trading uh, activity, and thereby in alerts. In those situations when you maybe get uh, 50 alerts coming your way, then the scorer will be able to help the analyst take decisions on which are the, which represents the highest likelihood of them taking an action that they can choose them to focus on them first. Sure. What we'll also be doing, sorry. No, please go. What we'll also be aiming to do, to do with this initiative is to enable an increased manager oversight because of these, these pre-scoring can also be used sort of uh, to, to uh, uh, find outliers in how an analyst has chosen to deal with a particular alert and how the alert scorer were predicting uh, the likelihood of a certain action be taken. And if you then can find situations where there's a difference, uh, a significant difference in what the uh, predictor would suggest and what decision the analyst would take, then such events can be, uh, be used to improve the manager oversight that needs to be taken for, for any surveillance program. Uh -huh. Excellent. So, in terms of uh, actually using machine learning technology for this, I mean, why is that important? Is it just because of the sheer amount of data that has to be ingested and analysed in order to come up with these scores? I mean, what's the, the rationale for using machine learning? Well, trade surveillance is very much searching for needles and haystacks. Oh. So, uh, we, we go through 
massive amounts of orders and trades every day and based upon those we trigger uh, very large numbers of alerts as well and we have our analysts uh, go through them. The whole goal of that exercise is, is to safeguard and improve integrity for our markets. If we can have our analysts spend more time on, on more uh, sort of uh, high quality or, or uh, qualified um, uh, assessments, rather than doing initial reviews searching for the potential needles. If we can give them 10 potential needles rather than have them search through the whole haystack, then our operations will be more efficient, we'll have a better likelihood of, of uh, catching the real events that would warrant some sort of measure, perhaps they should be prosecuted or there's a problem to be addressed. So we're trying to increase the efficiency of our operations to improve integrity and to safeguard integrity for our market. Sure. So this project has been a, a collaboration between uh, your team and, and the Nordic market surveillance team and also Smarts as well. Um, how did it sort of first come about in the first place? What, what was the genesis of, of this idea to apply machine learning technology? Well, I think that everyone in the industry are looking at ways to, to uh, uh, develop its products and to uh, implement features of machine intelligence. We're not the only one doing that. Mm -hmm. But what I think makes NASDAQ unique is that we have the combination of both operating market, performing surveillance market, and developing an in-house solution for, for uh, trade surveillance that is also being offered externally. So we really tried to find ways where we could leverage upon that, where we could submit data, real alert data, historical alert data, and, and access to analysts, and trying to come up with ways to, to uh, make that useful, both in order to find improvement to our own surveillance program, but also to add to the smart product. And what we really tried to do is to find a way that uh, would be um, uh, an implementation that would be meaningful and that would add value to analysts from day one, uh, but that would still not impose risk. The surveillance is a highly regulated area, of course. Yeah. We, couldn't, we couldn't embark on a project that would uh, reduce uh, the number of alerts that we triggered initially. Uh, we need to find a cautious, alert, a cautious approach to this, whereby we would not change or take away any of the information that would be exposed to analysts, but basically enrich the data that they work with and give them tools to basically empower them. That was the initial approach, to find a way to leverage upon uh, our, our different capabilities within NASDAQ to add to uh, our surveillance capabilities, but while doing so without imposing our markets to risk. Sure. And as you say, I mean, there is a lot of interest in this area. I mean, a lot of companies are looking at not just machine intelligence, but you know, artificial intelligence more widely in terms of the various other subsets that it comprises. Um, from your perspective, I mean, you're a surveillance officer. Um, looking forward to the future, I mean, do you think that this kind of technology is going to have a, a fundamental impact on how processes like surveillance are performed, or do you see it as a more kind of, uh, it'll just augment existing processes? I mean, what's your kind of, your, your crystal ball gaze, I guess? I think that an initiative like the one that we're launching now, will, a few years from now, we'll look upon it as as basic functionality embedded within smarts uh, and or, or other surveillance solutions or technologies, really. It's going to be uh, basic functionality that we don't think too much about that we actually make use of on a day-to-day -day basis, much like the benchmarking functionality that's already in 
in place within Smartphone that we've been using for years and years. However, I think that we'll embark on other initiatives based upon machine learning that will be uh, having more far-reaching consequences. Ultimately, I think that we'll have certain sets of alerts that are similar to those that we have today, where we've basically defined the patterns uh, for, for the system to search for, but we'll complement that with other alerts that are more sort of open-ended defined that will search for anomalies based upon a norm and where the norm is changing over time rather than sort of a, a fixed set of parameters describing exactly what the alert should be looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Great. Okay, well, Joachim, that's pretty much all the questions you had, so thank you once again for taking the time to be on the podcast. I really do appreciate it and uh, look forward to hearing more about your initiatives in the future. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, and we are back. Uh, Joachim, thanks uh, for taking the time and joining the podcast today um, and talking with James. I know that's always can be laborious talking to James. I'm amazed that anyone yeah. was quite friendly. Yeah. And uh, we're back now. We have uh, Amelia David joining us. Say hi. Hi. Sorry, oh, I was looking at the Sephora. On, on podcast, I can't see you. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Momentarily distracted by the Sephora right, app. Okay. <laughs> So, as mentioned, on waterstechnology.com, you can find both uh, Mia's uh, long-form story that kind of traces uh, how the U.S. finally came to embrace uh, T plus two, uh, settling down, uh, how the U.S. finally embraced T plus two, is the name of the story up here in the September issue of Waters Magazine. It's obviously available online. And Mia also has a story up uh, that went live on Tuesday mm-hmm. when T plus two went live. Um, I'm on from Friday on, on uh, potential use cases for blockchain as well. And of course, you're going to throw in blockchain and T plus two into a title. Scab. Totally scab. Well, more importantly, though, Mia's piece, yeah, we'll talk about, not your blockchain piece. Well, that was me. well I also Oh, made that was also? Awesome. Yeah. That was yours? Basically, I just have too many pieces on T plus two at this go. point. Well, I didn't retweet as much as my half ass column on T plus two, which apparently the entirety of SunGuard's upper management has retweeted. So thank there you, guys. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, Mia, uh, why don't you just kind of give our users, as you kind of went about the reporting mm-hmm. for this, why don't you just kind of describe the story a little bit and how T plus two came together, what some of the challenges were maybe? Yeah, um, so um, T plus two comes about 20 years, or uh, it really depends on when you... Becomes every 20 years. Becomes yeah. every 20 years. Because the last time the industry really moved, changed the settlement cycle was um, 95 um, and that was the T plus three. That was right. T plus three. We moved from T plus five to T plus three. And the moment that um, T plus three was actually implemented, people started talking about T plus two, but n- nothing really happened to it because people wanted to move to T plus one immediately. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until 2014 when Europe moved to T plus two that the U.S. realized that we really need to get our shit together. Mm -hmm. So um, a working group was set up by ICI, SIFMA, um, and DTCC, and a lot of the other industry players. Um, And within the time frame from 2014 to 2017, um, got the SEC on board to change the ruling on how long settlement should be and moved to T plus two. So it, it really took 20 years. So something that ended up being relatively simple to do, ultimately. And it, yeah, yeah. I, the, what people told me was the, the hardest thing to get 
or to do during this whole journey to T plus two was getting everybody in the industry to say, yeah, we really should probably move to T which plus is phenomenal, two. Right? I mean, like, how many, like, if you can do it in Europe, which is, you know, 28 <laughs> different countries, and you can all agree with different legal systems, different regulators, yeah. everything else, fragmented markets. People are somehow oh, saying, in Europe, we do things so much better, aren't we special? <laughs> Go make America great again. So. <laughs> to be fair, technically, the you know the UK decided it wa- doesn't want to be part of Europe anymore. Well, we've got so. to be contrary. We drive on the left. We thought electrons moved in the opposite direction. and Insisted on that for years. You but, know. but all I'm saying is that I don't see how it's harder <laughs> with one settlement provider in the US, a DCCC. Yeah. Um, and like one way of doing things, not 28 different ways of doing things yeah. to make it work. A, a lot of it really was also on. If people just wanted. Uh, everyone to be on the same page that it will be expensive but it's fine that we take the expense because um, in the long run it's going to be cheaper to run the business because the, um, you don't have to put up as much capital forward when you're waiting for something for a trade to settle. But and coming back to how great Europe is again. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> What really prompted this was the fact that Europe moved, right? I mean that was kind of the key. Because Europe is it. a very large market so even if there are other jurisdictions that have moved to T plus two before Europe. What about Asia? They have a few T plus two jurisdictions. Like Singapore, is it? Or do you think or Japan? I, Japan? Japan is moving, but they're not Moving, yeah. They haven't announced when. Um, Japan hasn't announced when they're going to move, but they will. It's on the horizon. It's on the horizon. Right, okay. So, yeah, but it, because Europe is a very, fairly large market, and with the U.S. moving to T plus two, other markets, um, Canada, um, Mexico, Peru, have also. Is there moved. any particular reason why those three countries are also doing it? Um, because Canada and Mexico, and to a certain extent Peru, are also largely dependent on the U.S. market. Right. If the U.S. market moves to T plus two, it makes right. sense that they also move. Um, Canada is a fairly small market. Um, Mexico is also a fairly small market, but. Um, the U.S. also deals with them a lot, so it made sense that they just follow along. Okay. Yeah. Um, so on the horizon, when's T plus one happening? Um, <laughs> people are already talking about it. It's but again, like twenty years ago, people were talking about T plus two. Nothing happened. Mm. But if T maybe people are saying that maybe we skip T plus one, move to T plus zero, especially because blockchain is around. So if they can bypass any of the C-tony. hurdles it all comes on blockchain. blockchain. Comes blockchain. Cool. Blockchain yeah. or eyeball. Those yeah. Are two <laughs> but yeah, but um, that's what people are saying. Blockchain is around. It doesn't have, it doesn't um, necessarily rely on the platforms and the processes that we, all, we have in place that are causing that kind of like you need to have a day in between yeah. trade and settlement. So that's and it's what there for a reason. I, mean, I remember when I was covering this when Europe switched over a few years ago when I was in your um, your positions of doing uh, settlement features, and everyone was saying to me at the time, "It's like, look, it's not a technology thing. We've been able to do this. For mm-hmm. We can we didn't need. We can do it with existing technology now if we want to. We can move to T plus zero settlement, but." There are specific factors and reasons why we don't, such as the fact that you need some time to make sure the trade breaks happen. Yeah. You need things like securities lending and that yeah. kind of thing as well. Like, how are you going to handle short, um, you know, shorting stock and that kind of thing if you can't yeah. do that? But, I mean, you know. I, I was talking to somebody and, and it was mentioned that regulators have to sleep <laughs> and to sleep. compliance officers have to sleep so they can't monitor a trade 
all yeah. the time. So I mean, I, I wonder how much regulators are monitoring trades in the market all day, every day, okay. anyway. But, True. You know, um, <laughs> but yeah. th- there's just certain difficulties with having to look at the look at everything underlying a trade and making sure everything is correct that you can't do within the same day. Mm. And also because the industry is still doing batch processing instead of, you know, maybe once a trade happens, the the process moves along. It's always dependent on what happens at the end of the day. We're going to start doing all that settlement process at the end of the day. So that's why people think maybe T plus zero isn't going to be. Well, so though it looks like, you know, just, you know, from your story that cost always is, you know, yeah. a driving factor. And so the SEC, this is, um, you can read some of your story, um, estimated that moving T plus one would cost around 1.7 uh, billion today compared with 550 million for T plus two. Um, so that's a significant, yeah. um, Cost increase to just go down to T plus one. Yeah. Um, I don't, did they even do a T plus zero uh, study? They didn't, just a T plus one. And the yeah. technology as well. I mean, you know, we are at TechMag, so for this, it wasn't that complex. You just had to change a few kind of things. It, it right? was, um, somebody told me it was mainly just a little bit of a change in the code, a little bit change yeah. the configuration, just making sure that the dates were correct. But if you were moving to T plus one, you'd have faster processors you'd yeah, have many like different things zero, like i mean you'd have to your risk management systems if upgraded to yeah. like automated i guess to a certain extent to see you're not breaching risk limits compliance yeah systems and and, and for that it isn't just the banks or whoever is trading the mm. settlement that basically the dtcc has to also implement a technolo- technological change because right. they have to be able to grab that volume much faster yeah so well, and we're going to have Mia. She's now our beat reporter for all oh, things uh, T plus two. So, uh, I wonder how many set. emails you've had actually since that feature on from blockchain I've, companies going, hey guys, we actually, should do this, Mia. You're wrong. <laughs> I mean, no one has said that I was wrong. No. But that maybe I had been mistaken yeah. in, think, in saying that T plus zero is not possible. Um, yeah. That I was mean, kind I, of a bold prediction I on my part. If any of you are listening right now, if you have a blockchain system that can handle the volume of equity trades in the US market through a distributed ledger and settle instantly, please do get in touch because I'd love to hear it. Yeah. If not, then I suspect... I think the industry would love mistaken. to hear it too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a lot of hot air. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I'd gladly talk about T plus two, but please give me a week of not fighting about it. Well, you're going away on vacation. Yeah. I am going to New Orleans, but I did tell people that I am open to talking to them. To which my friend, who I'm going to New Orleans, said was, "You're not going if you're going to be talking to people about financial stuff." Over gumbo and putting your phone oh, you, inside you the gumbo. You're gonna be knee deep in jambalaya and bourbon, man. You don't want there you go. Yeah. So, also, the best fried chicken in the country. There you go. New Orleans fried chicken, man. I mean, come on, all that because that's what food. everybody oh, no. says. Fried chicken, man. You gotta it's go down. Fried chicken, everybody man, so. told me that if I was gonna go to New Orleans, stay away from the French Quarter. Um, was this everyone a colonel from Kentucky who was telling you about this French chicken? Or was it just a... well, this is everyone on the internet. <laughs> okay. And go to Willie May Scotch House for the best fried chicken. Okay. So. Well, I look forward to hearing about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I could be persuaded to bring some, but there probably won't be Don't any bring leftovers. Me back some fried yeah, just bring the bourbon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Game of Thrones is over now. Yeah. So we have that, you know, normally we, this would be the time we, that we, we genuinely were figuring out what to talk about the podcast, had a moment earlier, we all of us sat there for like five minutes in stock silence, so what the hell are we going to talk about now? So <laughs> we decided, Game of Thrones theme you know, now that Game of Thrones is gone, what are some of the TV shows that you should definitely now start binge watching or tune in for as they uh, are going to be released? I did canvas some opinion on this very quickly from... Uh, from my contacts and the universal response was apparently from my contacts from my contacts <laughs> by which I meant my wife and uh, <laughs> a few of my friends but um, uh, yeah universally the response was apparently Narcos is really good like season 3 I've never seen it awesome. a lot of people I haven't seen it no but. my my cousin who's a political scientist absolutely loves the show yep um and does that mean he's uh, he's looking for a job, or is he just actually working for well, a think tank? Or <laughs> she she teaches um uh, she teaches in the University of I don't know whatever university okay, is in right. Vancouver, <laughs> British Columbia. Um, but yeah, and every t- but the, the when university she of life, man. when she tells me this, the, she tells me what happens. It's that it's like very couched in like a political, sciencey, econom economy things. So I'm like I, I don't thought know. it was just like a biopic of. Uh, yeah, but what apparently it's not just about that. Apparently not, no, apparently it's branched out. Um, apparently there's a social aspect to it. I wish I knew. I, I, I haven't seen an episode. I should probably... I've been watching The Mist as well this summer. That's been decent. It's the Mist. The Mist, the Stephen King book. And there was a couple of films about it. Never heard of it. No. I thought that's what hit England in, uh, what was it, the 30s or something? Yeah, the killer fog. Yeah, the killer fog, yeah. yeah. <laughs> During the Victorian times, people would literally die by going outside. Um, and parts of London are not that different these days. But um, <laughs> Too soon then to bring it up. Too, too, exactly, soon, yeah, too soon, too soon. buddy. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> like making Atlanta's jokes about Texas. Um, but no, The Miss was good. It was a Spike nine-part show. Um, American Gods was pretty awesome as well. I hated it. That's because you got no taste. <laughs> See, I like Neil Gaiman. I tried the first episode and I just couldn't get over. I just love the fact it was Lovejoy. Like you won't know this because none of you. Guys I have are no English, idea what the hell he was. Uh, about right now. He was a roguish, I think, art thief or something from a TV show in the seventies that my grandmother used to love to watch, and all of, everyone's grandmother had a crush on Ian McShane. And now he's playing Odin in the American Gods. It's quite fun. See, all I know about Ian McShane is that he was in that. Was it Deadwood? That. HBO show, show? Yeah. yeah, I think it was really good. Yeah. Do you hate that as well, man? I actually liked it, so hey. Well, if you're looking for a good new HBO show, David Simon's going to be back with the Deuce. Oh, um, I saw the trailer. Is it, isn't it supposed to be the uh, what's going to be airing in the Game of Thrones time slot or something? I'm not sure what time it's going to be on. I know it's coming out soon. Um, is it the one that's set uh, in Times Square? Yeah, it's about porn. And how yeah. the porn industry kind of started. <laughs> it's my kind of show. Yeah, exactly. Hey, David yeah. Simon and porn. Hey, I mean, David Simon, watching The Wire for me is basically watching porn. It's just such a beautiful... Uh, um, and what else do we have? Oh, and Ozarks is the other one. That is it supposed to be Breaking Bad in the Appalachian Gardens right. or something? So... I, God, I'm in a huge minority. I've been trying to watch uh, Breaking Bad. To be and fair, I, hate I haven't. Bad. I saw a couple of episodes of Breaking Bad. Kind of liked it, but so it's gonna get a little personal. But I started watching it with my then boyfriend, I was doing math. <laughs> and then we broke up. <laughs> Just got real, you know. <laughs> and then we broke up, so I stopped watching because he was the one who was like, "Oh, let's watch it." So now I'm like, I don't have the patience to watch Fair this. Enough. I mean, my flatmate used to be obsessed with it. I've kind of, I haven't watched it. Solidly all the way through, but I've seen like scattered. I'm glad to see that. I'm not, yeah, because everybody's like, oh, it's one of the great shows. I'm like, The Wire is. I still watch The Wire repeat all the time. I am immersed by the Breaking Breaking Bad. Like, 
it's they get into these zany little situations that you know that they're going to get out of. <laughs> you know, it's not like, you know, that they're just going to kill off Walter White in the first freaking season, you know. And when you ha- and the wife is so freaking annoying, the kids fucking annoy. I hate everybody on that show except for Walter White and and his meth uh, buddy, uh, whatever the hell the guy's name yeah. is. Anyway, this is all to say, I could not get into Breaking Bad. <laughs> My favorite thing about that show is that joke used to go around saying the ending of Breaking Bad will be he goes into witness protection and that's the start of Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> oh, actually, that makes so much sense. <laughs> so Ozarks is yes, it's about drugs, so you can't get away from mm-hmm. that, but. Um, a little bit gritty, in many ways a little bit greater. Like, it's something about Breaking Bad I just didn't like. So Ozarks, I, I do recommend right now. I'm not all the way through it or anything like that. Um, but the first couple episodes, first episode just really just jumps out and hits you um, from there. So I, I think that's another good show that people should check out. There's a new one this Sunday, isn't it, called uh, The Orville? Isn't it Seth MacFarlane? Is that kind of spoof? Oh, it's supposed to be like, um, kind of yeah. I and then there is actually new Star Trek this uh, Yes, which well. will be which on Netflix. New Star Trek. New Star yes. Trek series coming out. It's with yeah. Michelle Yeoh as the captain. Who's Michelle Yeoh? She was Walking Dead, was she? Or Catching ti- dead. Crouching Tiger and Dragon. Dragon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a great movie. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, okay. But right. it was supposed to be on CBS Online. Or CBS All Access in the States, yeah. but I think they're doing it for Netflix internationally, which is a bit annoying because you've got to pay $10. Wait, it's so. still not on Netflix here? I thought it was I on I think Netflix they're doing here. Netflix internationally and CBS All Access. God, I am, you know, nothing will make me pay for CBS All Access. Star Trek will make me pay for CBS All Access. Actually, it depends. <laughs> my girlfriend now, she has it because she likes Stephen Colbert and will watch right. old episodes of Stephen Colbert. And See, I don't God, understand. God. Oh, <laughs> I don't understand. Why they're trying to push? I don't know. Like for me, it's like if it's if it's a show that's good, I don't under if you, and you're a network, why not just show it on your network? Mm-hmm. You want to drive people to that platform. You want as people become unbundled, you want to get them used to going on and having that service. You want to be ahead of the game on that. Because I am not paying for another streaming service. I mean, I like Star Trek. I love Star Trek, but. Nothing will make me pay. I mean, sometimes you have to pay for quality. <laughs> Hence why waters cost people money. It's the quality. You don't you get the satellite more than To yeah. be fair, though, I don't actually pay for Netflix. I use my roommate's Netflix. Right. I use her Jeez. ex-boyfriend's so Hulu. Off your, your roommate's ex-boyfriend? Yes. <laughs> it's nice. Okay. Yes. This is, um, this is the modern world, guys. This is long con right there. <laughs> oh, he knows. Yeah. <laughs> Because um, he sees the wa- the watch list change, so he's like, "Who's watching younger?" Yeah, I do know this. Clearly, the going out into my Hulu regular, like the Kelly family, and that kind of thing. Like, Veronica, who have you been giving this out to? <laughs> <laughs> to which her response is, "It's my account," which you know, fair enough, but still. Um, so yeah, I think that's it for TV right now. Um, a couple of things just before we finish, I guess. Uh, I'm going to be in Chicago next week. Uh, Monday to Wednesday, so if anybody's in Chicago and fancies me up for a beer, uh, myself and our former reporter Tim Borges Murray will be around. TBM, TBM will be out there, indeed. Who's doing some freelance for us uh, at the SSNC uh, client conference? So I'll be out there, say hello, um, tell me where to go for a good slice and where I can watch some Champions League soccer. That'd be great. Good um, sports bars there in Chicago. Good Basically, sports bars. Every bar yeah. there is good to watch sport. Uh, to watch. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be good. And then uh, a marathon in Toronto in October for Cybos. Uh, some of you guys got in touch, so thank you. But if you want to meet, if there's anybody interesting I should uh, chat to, then please do get in touch. Yeah, keep on sending those to James and not to me. Yeah. <laughs> and um, 
Let's see, is there anything else on uh, the horizon for us? Mm, what are we got coming up events wise? BST, what, are the AFTERS and the BST awards still open for entry? I think so. BST was extended by a week. Well, AFTERS open next week or this week? Okay. We should well, probably, we should probably we know this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, basically, just on the, on the website, we actually have a post up uh, giving all that information. So if you're interested in the awards, go check that exactly. out. Exactly. And just add a week onto the deadline. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, oh, no, there's a changed one. There's a more updated one. Okay. It's like, it's like when you go and see a gig and the band goes off stage and you know they're going to come back on for those last oh, two songs. Cool. It's, you're just sitting there going, more, more, more. And you act surprised when it comes out. It's the same thing every year. It's like deadline extended. Deadline extended. Yeah. Oh, we're giving you the reprieve. Yeah. All right. One of these years we're not going to do it. Just so you. And that'll be fun. And then we're just <laughs> not going to have to get all the angry uh, emails. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, uh, Mia, for joining. Um, yeah. And uh, enjoy New Orleans. Jim, enjoy Chicago. I will enjoy sitting on my couch watching uh, football this weekend. So. Fantastic. Yep. Right. Well, thank you, everybody. Have see you next week. <laughs>